If you have a Bible, go to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. Uh, man, I just, I love our worship team. I'm so thankful for them. And I just love worshiping with you. I, I love your spirit. And one of the things I've absolutely loved about our church in these seven years is the spirit of worship in this place. And hopefully if you're new, it's just contagious, isn't it? Like you're, if you're new, you're like, man, what is all of this, man? It's just, we're just happy. I mean, we're just excited. We have problems, we have struggles, and we have trials. But what we know is that it's this idea that we know Jesus is who he said he was. He did go to that grave. He was resurrected on the third day. And if he can raise himself to new life, what could he do through me? What could he do in my situation, in my struggle? So we're looking at the life of Jonah. And Jonah chapter 2 is where we're going to be. If you're new and you don't have a Bible, uh, you can download version. It's a great app. I read out of the New Living Translation. In fact, if you're on the app, look under events, you'll see Core Church, and all the scriptures are listed there, and different events and things that we have coming up that will help you with that. This, this series is really all about embracing the God-given call that you have on your life. God has placed talents, and he's placed abilities in you, and he wants you to use those for, not just, not just for you, but he wants to use those for the greater good of the world. He wants to use those to impact the world. Like, we're talking about Corey and, and Corey and this magnificent gift he has to play the, the guitar. And, and he could play that for his own glory, and he would tell you that he has done that. And it's just empty. It just, uh, it just only takes you so far. But now he's been transformed, and he's using it now to play for the glory of God so that others can know the hope that he has found in Christ. That's the whole idea of the series is living a sent life and living called. So we're in Jonah chapter 2. If you're new to church and you don't know the story of Jonah, let me, let me catch you up to speed, okay? So if you're like, man, I don't even know who this guy Jonah is. This is a story that predates Jesus. Jonah was a prophet. And, and some of you grew up in church. You grew up going to this thing called Sunday school. I did. I always thought Jonah was kind of a kid's story. So whenever the preacher would preach about Jonah, I'm like, why are we doing a kid's story? And then come to find out it's not a kid's story at all. And it's, so it's an adult story as well. And so Jonah is this prophet. God tells him to go to Nineveh. It is a city that he despises, and they despise the Israelites. And they're wicked, and they're vile, and they're evil. I talked about that last week. And he's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that. So he runs from God, he gets on this uh, boat, and he heads in the opposite direction. God sends this storm. The storm is so violent that the ship is going under. They throw Jonah overboard, and Jonah then gets swallowed by this giant fish. Then he gets spit out on the land, and he decides, all right, I, I guess I'll go. Okay, and so he goes to Nineveh. They repent, and then after that, Jonah has this just bad day, bad moment after that. We're going to talk about that here in a couple of weeks. So Jonah, let's pick it up here. So Jonah has run from God. He has been on this boat. He's thrown overboard. He's been swallowed by this giant fish. And in chapter two, we pick up this prayer of Jonah. This is where God is beginning to turn Jonah's heart. He's, he's taking him from rebellion to repentance, if you uh, want to look at it that way. This is an amazing prayer because it's very poetic. And really what Jonah does here, what you'll hear in here, is he actually prays a couple of verses from the Psalms. He actually prays, I think it's Psalm 3, Psalm 16, and Psalm 18 is what he prays here. I think it's, by the way, if you don't know how to pray, 
pray the Psalms. I do it every day. Every morning I get up, knees hit the ground, I pray a Psalm. Before I go to bed, knees hit the ground, I pray a Psalm. Whenever I find myself in a difficult situation or struggle, I pray the Psalms. I mean, they're just beautiful, they're poetic, and they speak from, from the heart. And so Jonah does that. Chapter two, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters, they engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. This is God turning his heart from rebellion to repentance. I I sank beneath the waves. The waters closed over me. Listen how bad this is. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. Some of you need that right there. Your life is slipping away away. You can feel it. You can sense it. I want to challenge you today. Remember the Lord. Jonah in this moment remembers the Lord. He is your hope. He is your only hope in this life. He's the only one who can heal you. He's the only one that can help you. Remember him in your time of trouble. My earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple and those who worship false gods, they turn their backs on all God's mercies, but Here's where it turns. I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Last week I talked to you about the boat. This week I want to talk to you about the whale. We're going to talk about the whale today. Let's pray. Father, in the moments that we have, we just pray that you will help us, God, and you will speak to us and Something will happen today to change our hearts, to be a little more like you, a little less like me, and be able to impact and change this world. That's what we're all about here, God. That's what we desire in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. amen. All right, you can, now you can sit down. Well, today I am 53 years old. It's my birthday. And thank you. Um, applause is not necessary. Uh, gift cards are, uh, but <laughs> applause is not. Uh, but I've noticed as I've gotten older, and those of you that are a little bit older, um, that things just don't heal like they used to heal. It's so frustrating. Uh, let me, like, for example, if you, let me give you a warning. Anybody here under the age of 35, raise your hand under the age of 35. You need to listen very closely to me, okay? When you hit 35, your life is over, okay? This is over. I, because like when I was 25, I could snap my femur in half and like be mowing the lawn that afternoon, okay? That's just how it is when you're 25. But when you're 35, all of a sudden things just don't heal like they used to heal. And, and in fact, in my life, now that I'm 53, I feel, like, I feel like I'm just one step away from hearing the doctor saying, Brad, you need more fiber, I haven't heard it yet, not looking forward to that conversation. So um, I've been having some problems with my back, and I've ne- I just never had back problems, but it's been increasingly worse the past few months. In fact, yesterday, 
Just yesterday, I was out in the front yard, and I was bathing our dog, Otis, and he's a Great Dane, and he's out in the front yard, and I'm bathing him like this, and I'm just shampooing him down, and then all of a sudden, kink. Anybody ever had that moment? Okay, anybody had that moment? There's our over 35 crowd right there. Okay, so (laughs) my back went out. It is the weirdest feeling because you can't move. And so I'm like this. I'm bracing myself on Otis because he's the size of a Shetland pony. And, and he's looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, just go with the dude. I'm about to go down. And in that moment, I honestly, I was thinking, how am I going to get to the front door? How am I going to get to the front door? And I thought, I'll just ride him to the front door. Come on, let's go. Knew that wouldn't work. But I was like, oh, and I'm not kidding you. So I just started doing, I was like this. I just started doing this, like this, across the front yard. And all of a sudden I hear my neighbor a couple doors over, Brad, you okay? And I was like, I didn't want to admit that I wasn't okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm just doing yoga, man. It's uh, sumo yoga. It's the new thing. It's called sumo yoga. Oh, and, and so I've been going to the chiropractor. And, and so it's, it's, he's like, Brad, we gotta, we got to step up your therapy. And he goes to the back room and he comes out with it's one of these. Anybody know what one of these are? Yeah, this is, if you don't know what this is, this is called a foam roller. And here's the idea. I won't demonstrate it. I, I'll just kind of show it to you, and I, I won't demonstrate it because if I get down there, I, I'm 53. I won't be able to get back up. Okay, so the idea, though, is that you roll this thing over whatever part of your body that is not working properly, okay? So for me, it's my back, and I have to roll it over my back, and it always hits that one spot that's extremely painful, and that's when the chiropractor's like, yep, that's how you know you're doing it right. It's hurting you. See, this is not a pool noodle, people. Whee! Okay, there's no whee! in this, okay? I really think this thing is incredible. You don't understand how painful... Meet me in the parking lot after church. I'm going to have you lay on the ground, and I'm going to run the back of my truck over you 10 times, okay? That'll give you an idea of what this thing feels like. I I think the CIA uses this as an interrogation device. I mean, it is extremely painful to use this. And so my chiropractor, though, said, if I don't use it, then I'm going to lose mobility, He's like, Brad, if you want to get back to full health, you got, you got to use it. And if you don't, you're not going to get back to full health. Because the idea is that what it does is it kind of uh, gets the blood circulating again, works out the knots, and it, and it promotes healing. But if you don't do it properly, you will not heal properly. You've got to use this or it's not going to work. And this is the thing I want to talk to you about for a few minutes today is this idea that there are times that we don't want God to go there. We don't want God to press on areas of our life because it's too painful. And if God goes there, we're like, ah, no, 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 no. And God's like, yes, 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 yes. I want to work on that right there. See, last week I talked to you about that, this idea that we are all called and, and we all have a calling. We are all called, and we all have a calling. It's not just for the prophets like Jonah. It's not just for the preachers like me, but it's for all of us. Come on, turn to somebody next to you and say, you are called. You are called. Now, if you were not here, I encourage you to write this down. We all have a calling. We have a primary calling, 
and you have a personal calling, okay? You can write it down this way. Primary purpose, personal purpose. You have a primary purpose and a personal purpose. Our primary purpose, reviewing last week, our primary purpose as followers of Jesus, we all have it, it's this, to take the hope, the healing, the peace, and the purpose of Jesus into this world. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is your call in life. You never, ever have to wonder. But you also have a personal purpose. There's something unique and a place that God wants to use you in this world. He's given you unique gifts and unique abilities and unique personality and experiences in your life, and he wants to use you in that way. He, there, there's, I'd say it this way. There's a career for you, and there's a cause for you. The career is what pays you back in this life. Your cause is what pays you back in the life to come. Have you thought about your career, the place you're going to go to work as your calling? It's your calling. God is uniquely placed you there, this is where he wants you. But we will never get there if we don't let God do a work on us. So I want you to write this down because this is where I want to go for the next few minutes, okay? God wants to do a work in me. God wants to do a work in me before he does a work through me. God wants to do a work in me before he does a work through me. I think probably one of the greatest hindrances and obstacles to your calling and to my calling is not out there, it's in here. It's this crazy thing called self. Myself gets in the way. My selfish desires, my selfish motives, my selfish means, my it's all about me and what I want and what I think is best, and it all becomes about me. And what God wants to do is go to work on you. And he wants to get that out of you. He wants to root out that selfish nature. But guess what? It's painful. And what we need to understand is that God's not doing it to punish us. God's actually doing it to release us. He's actually doing it to set you free. This is where we find Jonah. He's in this wrestling. He's, he's run from God. He's rebelled against God. And now he is in the belly of this fish. And he is wrestling with this selfish nature. Let's go back to Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. It says this. Then Jonah, he did what? What did Jonah do? He Jonah did what? He prayed. He prayed. It's a good thing to do. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Now, don't miss this. Jonah has been called by God to go to these wicked, awful, vile people who have been destroying his nation. So he's like, I'm not doing that. He runs from God, ends up on this boat. Then God sends a storm that almost sinks the boat. Then Jonah gets thrown overboard. Now he's drowning in the ocean. And then out of nowhere, a whale comes up and swallows him. Like, you think you've had a bad day. This guy's having a really bad day, but, but he doesn't curse God. He actually cries out to God. Like, in this moment, Jonah starts to come to grips with himself. Like, in this prayer, he's starting to recognize his rebellion and, and how he's just kind of consumed with himself. I don't know how it works for you, but when I'm in the midst of a storm, the first thing I do is say, Help! I turn it out. God, why is this happening? God, when is it going to stop? God, do something. 
And the thing all of us need to understand, whether you follow Jesus or you don't, when you follow Jesus, God's promise, I will deliver you from the storm. He delivered Jonah, he will deliver you. Come on, turn to somebody right now and tell them, he will deliver you. He will deliver you. But before he delivers you, God wants to do a work in you. God wants to do a work in you. This is what he is wanting to do in Jonah. He wants to grow you. He wants to teach you. He wants to mold you. He wants to shape you. There are things that are in you that God needs to get out of you. Things like pride, anger, lust, addiction, bitterness, jealousy, All of these things that we don't quite like to deal with, but God says, if I don't get that out of you, I can't do something through you. And so what happens is we don't let God get it out of us, and then we limit the ability and our availability to be used by God, and we wonder why we're not being used by God in the way that we can be used. And God says, I want to work this out of you. I want to do something in you before I do something through you. And the thing about Jonah is, so so God wants to get something out of Jonah more than he wants to get him out of the whale. This story is really not about a whale. It's really about a guy and his rebellion and how God wanted to deliver him from himself. We talk about Jonah and the whale, but it's really about Jonah and himself. And God's saying, I want to deliver you from yourself. And what's crazy is God didn't rush it. Like, did you catch that he was in the belly of the whale for three days? Anybody catch that? Not an hour. I mean, think of, just think logically for this for a moment. God sends a storm, sends the, the waves, and the, and the storm, and the whale comes up, swallows him. Wouldn't you think that God would just kind of like swim over, spit him out on the beach? Wouldn't that make more sense? But that's not the point. God's not trying to save Jonah. He's trying to save Jonah from himself. And so God has him in the belly of this well for three days, and it is grueling, and it is difficult, and it is messy. In fact, at the end of chapter two, um, in the New Living Translation, it's the only translation that says it this way, that the um, whale spit Jonah out onto the beach. Uh, No, that's not how it happened. If you look at other translations, what it says is the fish threw up Jonah. The whale threw up. So the, the, the whale didn't go... Boom. No. It's more like your cat at 3 a.m. Who <laughs> was disturbing. That was disturbing, wasn't it? That was. Uh... It was disgusting. It was difficult. It was not easy, but God can't do a work through me unless I let him do a work in me. And that means it's going to be difficult, and it might take some time. It means you're going to have to be vulnerable before God. It means you're going to have to be open before God. It means that you're going to have to uh, look and be willing to change. That's the hardest part, I think, is just a willingness to change. That It's your choice. I can stay in my selfish nature or I can choose to become like Christ. The choice is yours. So Jonah is doing this wrestling inside the fish and he says this in verse 2. I cried to the Lord in my great trouble and he did what? He what? Answered me. He answered me. I called to, the, called to you from the land of the dead and Lord what? You heard me. Listen, Jonah... Jonah turned his back on God, but God never turned his back on Jonah. 
We can turn our back on God, but God ain't ever going to turn your ba- his back on you. Turn to somebody who's behind you and say, I got my back to you, but God does not. Come on, turn to somebody behind you and say, I got my back to you, but God does not. God has got your back. Turn to the person in front of you and say, I got your back, God's got your back. I got your back, God's got your back. God was trying to save Jonah from himself. The whale is really an example of God's grace. Like God sent his grace after Jonah in his running and his rebellion. And when Jonah was thrown overboard and he was sinking to the depths of the sea, there was God waiting on Jonah with his grace. It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter what your rebellion is. God will chase you down with his grace. It doesn't matter how far you fall, how low you get. God is always there waiting for you with his grace. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. He was there for Jonah, and Jonah sank to the bottom, and, and, and he hit rock bottom. But it says God heard Jonah's prayer. And I love this. It wasn't a prayer of rescue. That's crazy. You think he would be praying a prayer of rescue, but he's not. He prays this prayer of repentance because he realizes, I've rebelled against God. I've been running. I've been consumed with myself. A couple of years ago, our staff uh, went to the escape room. It's a, a place where you go to escape, I guess. Uh, how many of you know what the escape room is? Raise your hand if you know it. Okay, most of you know what it is. I did not know what it was, okay? So it was like, hey, we're all going to go. It's going to be fun. Everybody's jazzed about it, super excited. And I was like, this is going to be fun. This is going to be awesome, okay? Because I thought in my mind, I don't know why I thought this. I was thinking of like this house and it had like hidden staircases and bookcases that opened up to brick walls. And I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. It's going to be fun. No. They take you and they stick you in an eight by eight room with, and it was, by the way, it was all the staff guys in one room and all the staff ladies in the other room. And it was guys against the, the girls. And, and so we're in this room and then you've got to try to solve clues and riddles that then lead you to more clues and riddles that lead you to anybody more clues and riddles until you finally find a key to get yourself outside the door. I am not jazzed about this. I don't like puzzles. I don't like scavenger hunts. I don't like guessing games. I don't like riddles. I don't like any of that stuff. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How long is this going to take? The guys aren't that way. They're like, oh my goodness. Hey, another clue. Got another clue, guys. It's my best impression of the staff right there. They're going <laughs> to they're, they're kill me for that, but that's okay. So they're like, oh, it says the purple crocodile walked on the brick wall. So we were, look for something purple. Look for something purple. No, it's got, maybe it's sharp, maybe it's sharp. And I'm like, guys, I'm just thinking to myself, guys, listen, we, there's the door. We can just walk right out the door. It's not even locked, guys. We don't need a key. We can walk right out the door. We could go to Brahms, call it a night, okay? So many times in my life, I feel like I'm trapped in a, in a room that I can't get out of. I can't get out of myself. I'm trapped in my selfishness, and I'm looking for all of these clues, and somehow, how can I escape myself? Anybody ever been there? How can I get over this? How can I stop thinking about myself? I'm always thinking about myself. Why do I always make it about me? How can I change that? How can I do what? I'm looking for the clues, and I can't escape myself. 
when all I need to do is turn from my rebellion, call out to God, and walk through an empty, an open door of grace. It's that easy. There's not a bunch of clues you have to find and solve and riddles and things. God says, no, no, no. If you will call out to me, I have an open door of grace waiting for you. You and I know that grace was made available to us through Jesus Christ. And the story of Jonah is really a foreshadowing of Jesus. In fact, Jesus, when Jesus was living and doing his ministry hundreds of years after Jonah, he referred to Jonah, and we find this in Matthew's gospel, Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus, where Jesus said this, for as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus here talking about the cross, and he's talking about, I'm going to be in a tomb for three days. Now go back to Jonah's story and Jonah's prayer. In verse 6, Jonah says it this way, I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. See, Jonah's rebellion put him in the fish, but it was our rebellion that put Jesus in the tomb. Jonah says, "I, I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. That's a picture of you and I. We are trapped in our sin. We're trapped in ourselves. There's no hope of getting free, but this is the good news. Jesus was not imprisoned. Jesus held the keys to set the captives free. Like the gates of hell could not stand against Jesus. That's why we put our hope and our faith in Jesus. Jonah says, but you, O Lord, my God, snatch me from the jaws of death. It's through Jesus that we are snatched from the jaws of death. And I think this is a point. Can I talk to some of you that are followers of Jesus? If you don't follow Jesus, you get a time out for a second. But if you are a follower of Jesus, can I just talk to you for just a moment? I think this is the number one problem in the church today. We think we save ourselves. Everything's on me. It's about me. I've got to figure out how to get free from me. And and we forget the very thing. Wait a second. I was lost in my rebellion. I was lost in my sin. Who set me free? Anybody? What's that name? Jesus. But then we begin to walk with the Lord, and suddenly we forget about the Lord, the one who saved us, and suddenly it becomes about me, and instead, now I'm all wrapped up in me, and not only am I got selfishness and, and things against others, now I'm living in selfishness against God. I've got pride because I'm my own savior. I, I, I saved myself. I figure it out. I, I accomplish this. You know, man, now, let me tell you about the job that I got. Man, did I tell you, man, I got, I, I got a raise. Yeah, I, did I tell you, I, I found, I found a, a, a girl. I found a, I found, I found a guy. You know, I, I got enrolled in school. Hey, I, got, I, got, I passed the class. I, 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 I. Never ever remembering that anything and everything we have comes from God above. It's through God. We cannot save ourselves. It's God. Jonah understood the depths of his selfishness in this moment. In the belly of that great fish, his heart changed. Look at verse 9. He says this, but I will offer what? I will offer, come on, one more time. I will offer what? I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. In other words, Jonah in this moment is saying, I'll go. 
I didn't want to go, but I'll go. He says this, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. I love this. Jonah goes from self-serving to self-sacrificing. He goes from thinking about himself to thinking about the things of God. He goes from thinking about his own salvation to thinking about the salvation of others. He goes from running from his calling to running to his calling. He truly has a heart transformation right here. It's no longer about Jonah. And the, the problem is when, 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 I live, when I live a self-serving life, it's all about my happiness. Man, what I need, what I desire, what I like, what I want. And come on, let's just be real here. All of us struggle with this at times. We will manipulate one another. We'll manipulate the very person we love more than anybody else on this earth. We'll manipulate them to get what we want and to get our way. And this is the society and the world we live in, followers of Jesus, non-followers of Jesus. It's just like, hey, I get to write my own rules. Nobody makes rules I get to make my own rules. By the way, when everybody makes their own rules, when everybody decides their own moral code, when everybody decides their their own standards, and everybody gets to do that, which sounds neat, doesn't it? Sounds so fun. Yay, I get to do it all myself. And everybody, you get to make yours, and you get to make yours, and you get to make yours, and you get to make yours. You know what they call that? Anarchy. Anarchy. When I'm living only for myself, I'm living for the destruction of my own soul. It's going to destroy me. And not only do I then put that on others, I put that on my relationship with God. I follow God and I serve God and all of my prayers and everything are about my own personal happiness. When I pray, I'm like, this is what I need you to do, God, because right now, honestly, I'm not happy. I need you to make me happy. And so I need you to do this so that when you do that, I'll be happy. And then that happens, and guess what happens? Then something else or comes up, and then you're unhappy again. So you go to God, and you say, God, I'm sorry, I'm not happy right now. Could you make me happy again? And God is not after your happiness. He's after your holiness. He's not after your happiness. I'm not saying that God does not want you to have joy, contentment, and peace. It's not what I'm saying. But he's not after your happiness, he's after your holiness, because if he was after your happiness, it would become all about you, and that's the whole problem with the church today, not the world, the church. That's what the problem is with you and I. It's all about us. We're all so self-consumed about God answering my prayer and meeting my need and doing this for me and all these things. Does God want to meet those needs? Absolutely. We're going to pray at the end of the service. Absolutely, God wants to answer your prayers, but every prayer and every thought cannot be about me. And God says, I'm not after your happiness, I'm after your holiness, because this is a simple fact of why. Happiness never leads to wholeness. Happiness never leads to wholeness, and happiness never leads to holiness. And, and what happens is, holiness will lead to your happiness, because it will set you free from yourself. And that's when you'll ultimately be at peace, and that's ultimately when the world will be made whole. That's what holiness is. Holiness is just simply wholeness. It's not perfection. It's not this idea that I have to live perfect. Good grief. If you're trying to live perfect, you're just going to wear yourself out. You'll wear everybody else out around you. This morning, I was reflecting, sitting there at my table, writing in my journal, 
And I was like thanking God for all the good things in my life, the blessings I have in my life, 53 years of an amazing life, an amazing life that I've had, especially the last 35 years following Jesus. I can't even begin to express to you the joy and the peace and the joy and the different things he's done. But the truth is, also in the middle of all that, I also recognize, man, I have screwed up a lot. I've hurt people that I love more than anything in this life, and I've hurt them. I did this and I did that and ah! And guess what? I could wait another week and I'll have a whole new fresh things to write. Because holiness is not about perfection. Holiness is the pursuit of that. Holiness is the pursuit of perfection, but understanding only Jesus, he, only Jesus lived the perfect life. He's the only one to live the perfect life. But the idea is, is that I am working towards wholeness because when I work, when I uh, live towards a holy life and I work towards wholeness, guess what? Wholeness will come to me and wholeness will come to the world. And then eventually it'll be this place where it will be his kingdom coming, not my kingdom, but his kingdom come and his will be done on this earth as it is in heaven, not reverse when I'm living for my happiness and what I want and what I desire, even as a follower of Jesus, I'm telling you, even as a follower of Jesus, when I'm living for, guess what? I'm going to build my kingdom. And that means I'm the ruler of my kingdom and everyone else around me, you are my subject. And you will do what I want you to do, the way I want you to do it, when I want you to do it. Anybody know somebody like that? If they're sitting next to you, don't look at them. God wants to root that out of you. He wants to take self out of you. And that's not going to be easy. God wants to do a work in you before he does a work through you. 